everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the host and their guests. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 201. I'm your host tonight, Mike, and tonight with me I have Thomas. Hey, Mike. And Amanda. Hi, Mike. And Josh. Hello. How's everyone tonight? Not too Tired. bad, yeah. <laughs> Thomas needs to have dinner. He might have a sugar crash on us. Uh, right. No sugar, but I I just had a, a full cup of double espresso, so I'm good to go. Okay. Well, why don't you go first on what you've been up to in gun before you uh, get a little too hyped up? I've handled some nice guns. I've drooled on a few guns. I've I've contemplated buying a few guns. Working in a gun shop is not a good thing for a person with my disability, my addiction to guns. Do you do any shooting? Because the COVID restrictions, it's just every other lane's open. So I I won't go. I'm, I'm leaving it open to the members. And I was planning on going shooting tomorrow night, actually. Like, I'll go later at night because I, I have the platinum membership. I can go late at night and there's nobody there. But I can't drive the car anywhere because some idiot decided to steal my license plates on Friday night. And I got to work. I got to work no, no, Thursday night. I got to work Saturday morning didn't notice anything and I'm leaving and there's no plate in my car and at first I assumed it was one of my co-workers who's a bit of a practical joker so I figured okay okay so I took my flashlight and I looked underneath my car and there was no plates I figured maybe he just took them off and head underneath so I went up and I said and I asked him and even his mom confronted him did you take his plates honestly no I didn't so because he's got a, he's a practical joker he hasn't got me yet but he's gotten everybody else so it's my turn so I, I assumed it might have been him and I assumed incorrectly because uh, we went up and he checked the security cameras and uh, I drove in with no plates. So obviously somebody stole them that night. So, and then, so I still had to go to, I still had to go to work today. Right. Because so the ministry like, was closed. Really cool, do you have really cool plates or something or is someone just randomly stole? No, there are random plates that expired in May. <laughs> <laughs> and I still haven't been able to get stickers for it. And I still had to go to work Saturday. So, you know, I, I, I played dumb. So I'll say, okay, if I get pulled over, they got stolen that night. Right. And luckily I didn't get stopped going to from work. But on the way home, I went, I went to the police station and I reported them because I went on to the ministry. And if you plates are stolen, you have, you, what a lot of people don't realize, um, you don't actually own your plates or the property of the crown. Your plates have a little crown on them. They belong to the state, not to you. So because they're state property, you have to report them stolen. You have to get an occurrence number. Then you have to sign an affidavit or a disclaimer that the plates were actually stolen. And then you have to submit all that paperwork to the ministry. They're going to charge you 60 bucks. Plus, they're going to charge me for the sticker that I never have gotten still. So I can't I'm not going to risk driving tomorrow. So I'm not going to go shooting tomorrow. Is that club open 24 seven to its members? Um, depends on what type of membership you have. So the the mid level, which is what most people get, it's uh, Monday at seven days a week, uh, store hours basically. You can stay up to an hour after the store closes, so it'll be nine to nine to eight, and then nine to six on Saturdays. And then if you have the platinum, can you go twenty four seven or? Yep. Or uh, I don't know what you call is, your. Yeah, it is it is platinum membership. It's twenty four seven. Um, guaranteed lanes, 
if you're a platinum member, you'll be get, you can reserve lanes just in case. I've I've only had to do it a couple times. You, I've only once had seen a person wait, and that's because I used up the lane and I gave them the lane. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes with some perks too because it's the 24/7. We have uh, quite an extensive extensive rental fleet of guns, uh, which currently we're not doing because of COVID. Um, but mid level, it's twenty five dollars to rent a gun, any gun you want. Platinum level, they're free. Any gun in my inventory that's in the, the range rental, you can use. So if you want to borrow my 50 BMG for it was taken away or Desert Eagle, you can use it. So, and you, we had locker systems too. So if you if you um, if you know you're a platinum member and you're not going to make it before the store closes, you call me up. You need some ammunition, no problem. I'll put your ammunition in the locker for, in a locker for you. If you're waiting for your ATT to come through and you still don't have your gun at home to shoot and it's in my inventory still, I can give you. I can put the gun in the locker. You can shoot the gun all you want. Put it back in the locker. It goes back in my inventory. So a lot of you know a lot of perks, mm-hmm. and it's it's our price is around par with any other new range. Yeah, new you, range you in Toronto. Toronto. Well, new range new range is the, is the key word. Because um, if you get outside the GTA and you get into clubs that are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, um, there isn't a lot of cost for the members. They've had a long time to when the CFO did all the updates for on the ventilation system and everything else, when it all came into effect, ranges were given so much time to do it. So, okay, you have to do this ventilation system, which so far and then the berms or whatever the construction but a new building, a new range has all these things that has to pay for right off the bat. So your ventilation system alone is going to be a couple million dollars just for the ventilation system. The backstop, um, I know, I, t- I actually I priced the backstops at Shot Show. They were eighty-five thousand US two years ago per per lane, and then that doesn't include the little. There's a little butt piece that goes between them, so those are a couple grand each, and we've got thirteen lanes. So the startup cost is, is extremely expensive for any new range. So that's that's why the fees are as high as they are. Mm. Yeah. My fees. What's your fees at Milverton? Uh, Two hundred dollars a year. And is your initiation fee? Two hundred dollars. My Port Perry fees were two hundred five a year. They didn't go up in twenty years, and the initiation fee was I think four hundred dollars. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I think our initiation is just like the uh, new members course, and I I can't remember exactly how much it is, but I don't think it's more than a hundred bucks. Some of them are outrageous. There's a, a a nice range just north of me, uh, MCO Club, and their fees are just astronomical. And it's an older range, but they they rent the building. They don't I don't think they actually own the range. I think they rent it to the club. And uh, I don't know what it is now. Last time I looked, the club level safety course that. Everybody has to take. They're $175 for the club level safety course. Holy cow. It was a full day course. It was free. There was no charge for it. And you got 10 weeks of coaching on top of that. Every Wednesday for 10 weeks, you got coached. Holy cow. It was free. Our, our place is 65 to me. And that includes $25 for insurance. So it's that's yeah, more yeah. than reasonable. And we don't do it. We actually have uh, Guide to Games comes in and actually they rent our classrooms and they do it for us at a, I don't know what type of arrangements that, but we rent them all the classrooms for Hunter Safety and Pell courses. So they come in and they do holster courses for us and they do the club level. So it's free. And they're all great instructors. And what we do, it's a combination club level safety course and RO course. So everybody that finished that course, 
is a certified RO. That way you don't have to have an RO on the lane in the range at all times if everybody is an RO. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And for I think it's really worth the money because the instructors are very good. Yeah. Mm. All right. So is that uh, about all you got up to this week or the um, last couple of weeks? Shooting wise, uh, I'm still getting the runaround on that cheap QSP penguin knife that I bought. <laughs> it's take. I've been uh, emailing this guy back and forth, and I went on vacation, and I still didn't hear from the guy. He said, I was sending you a, sh- a quote on shipping. Well, I know shipping costs me U.S. for our knife. It's going to be 11 to $15. Didn't hear from him for two weeks. So I met, email him, and he says, oh, I apologize. My shipping software was down. Uh, you are correct. Shipping costs is 11 to $15. If you want to pay for shipping, you can send it here. And I thought, you know what? Screw you. I'm writing up a letter. I'm returning to SNR Knife, and it's giving me credit at the store, and I'll buy a nice Spyderco. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no more. I'm not buying any more cheap budget made in China knives. There are some good knives made in China, but uh, don't cut, get me wrong. There was some really good stuff coming out of China. But if you pay 30 US for a knife, don't expect the moon. Well, I haven't broken my rake yet, so. That's a nice little knife, though. That is a well made knife. <laughs> and it's got a decent blade steel. Yeah. I, I fidget with it a lot. Nothing's broken yet, so. Does Laura yell at you a lot? <laughs> Mostly at work I do it, so. <laughs> What's that clicking noise? What's that clicking? Yeah. So, Josh, oh, what have here. you been up to? What have you been up to this last... Actually, you have you weren't on the last episode, so uh, the last while, I'll say. No, I, yeah, I haven't been, in, haven't been on for a little bit. Um, well, I, I haven't bought any guns, but I, I did buy a knife. I finally got uh, a Rat 7 that I've been looking for for quite a while. Um, wound up getting it used on Facebook. I saw a guy had it for sale, and uh, it was exactly what I wanted. My card of scales, I uh, picked it up, and it was, it was good. You're welcome. Yeah, Amanda Amanda tagged me in the post. It was on Fishing Friday on the Canadian Knife and Gear page. What did you so, get it for? What's that? What did it cost you? Uh, 80 bucks. Not that. Not that. They're nice knives. Yeah, I think new they're around 130 or 140. So I think I did all right. It's it's hardly been used. So excellent. It's nice when you get a good deal. Yeah, got it. No no tax and uh, it's in great shape. So yeah, I've been really happy with it so far. Um, other than that, uh, well, last weekend we had our cross country shoot. I see Amanda's got a fairly big section in her notes about that. So I'll leave a lot of that to her, but, uh, we got, we had a decent turnout. We were kind of worried about with the new COVID restrictions the day before coming out that we, or well, the week before, before we had it. So kind of worried about keeping numbers down, but we tried our best to kind of monitor who was on site. And I don't think we had any more than 25 at a time, but, um, everybody walked around, had a good time. Uh, we, kind of changed around our archery circuit again and we did that and I, I got a second place in traditional archery and I got second place in scoped rifle so I was pretty happy with that excellent yeah um there was only five of us actually doing archery so it wasn't that big of an achievement but I'll take it, <laughs> take it anyway yeah right I'll take it a win's a win <laughs> um actually today uh, was a pretty big day I went to uh the Guelph rod and gun for the first time there was a shoot there organized by Andrew from Ragnarok. He did a, a rifle marksmanship challenge. Uh, it was, uh, we had a, a bunch of time stages 
shots from prone, sitting, standing, uh, open to any rifle, any caliber. So I took my uh, my A22. Um, it was either that or the SKS. Uh, I think they've had SKSs out there before, but I think uh, I think I made the right choice with the A22. Um, I, how, I'm not sure. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, how like what was your maximum distance shot at that? Everything was at 90 yards. Okay, so yeah, 22 We're difficult uns- but capable. Yeah, unsupported yeah. or unsupported? Uh, unsu- well, you could use a sling. But that was okay, it. so support, okay. Yeah, you, you had the option to use a sling, but no bags or bipods or anything like that. Um, so yeah, there was, uh, I forget how many stages, but it was six. It was 60 rounds and uh, different timed exposures and uh, prone sitting and standing. Yeah, it was It was all right. It was a lot of fun. I, I did a lot better than I thought I would. I've got a 480, or sorry, 433 out of 600, so I, I was happy with that. So what were you shoot? Were you shooting at paper or steel? It was paper. Yep. Paper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a bunch of different guns on the line. Some Ruger Americans. Uh, one guy had a Garand. Uh, some bull pups. Just whatever is legal right now to bring. No ARs, of course. So, so <laughs> I think probably normally it would have been mostly ARs doing that. Oh yes, I'm. I, you can be rest assured that uh, he would have brought his AR for the course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of neat to to kind of run what you what you have in your safe that you don't normally use, right? So that's kind of neat. Yeah. But a uh, really nice range. Uh, first time going there, I think it was. They've got quite a few pistol bays and a nice long range there. So. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Amanda? What have you been up to this last couple of weeks? Oh well, uh, last Thursday I tried to do a walkthrough of the new archery circuit like josh said they made some changes to the course so uh i found it was quite an adjustment overall in the distances because they were a lot longer um i didn't do great let's just let's just leave it at that (laughs) but uh i did i almost got the nerve to participate in a ppc match but i chickened out when they started to play a game i hadn't followed yet so um i just watched and learned and maybe next time uh, but I what, did go to game. Oh, Sorry, Josh, what like, was it? Oh, it was just our just our, our custom PPC match that we do on Thursday nights. It's just a, a 480 match. It's just a the, condensed yeah. version. Okay. Yeah. The way you said it, 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 it sounded like this was like a frat house. This is your intro uh, <laughs> initiation kind of thing. <laughs> well, what they, are you guys doing out there? Well, spin around five times and then shoot ten times. No. <laughs> yeah. I just, for me, it was, um, it wasn't a game I had watched yet, so I definitely, especially since I'm um, not very experienced at the ARP uh, handguns at all, so I just didn't want to uh, take a risk, so I just thought I'd watch and learn, but yeah, next time. Uh, But I did also go to the cross-country shoot on the Saturday, and it was... I was exhausted. <laughs> I think we went through the circuit at least four times. Um, yeah. Yeah. I set up all the turn for that, so I think I probably walked it about ten times. Yeah, I definitely got my my ten thousand steps in. So. Uh, how, how how long like distance is one one lap? I guess. Oh, I don't know. Josh I don't know. I had thirteen thousand steps. The day, but I don't know how long the actual course was. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I'm not too sure. 
but it was the different the targets were anywhere from 20 to 47 i think was 47 yards was the longest one we had yeah so that's a long shot with the bow it is oh that was that was the rifle the bow i think oh. was was i think the longest bow was 28 yards for traditional yes for traditional i think for crossbow it was closer to 50 it was for crossbow yes yeah okay well, uh, I did end up with second place in ladies' traditional archery, but let's just be honest, there were only two ladies. So, you know, whatever. I, I, again, I got some money, so that was awesome. Um, wins uh, a win. Wins a win, right? So, But I was pleased to see an increase in number of archer participants, especially with traditional. Um, I really do need to step up my, my game when it comes to the rifles. I, I was not happy with my scores by any means but i you know you just you go out you practice and you just you know go through the motions right so uh it was a really nice day though and i met a couple this is this was my favorite part of the day though was um we met two new members and it turns out the wife was also a new left-handed shooter so we talked about what she wants to buy and that she wants to hunt. And it was really funny because she's looking at the two shotguns that I was looking at, the Browning BPS and the Remington 870. So uh, it was really exciting to find someone that I was able to share a lot of similarities with. So it was overall a great day and definitely got my steps in and it was a lot of fun. I think they'll be a good addition to the club for sure. They got a lot of good energy. Yes, they do. The whole family. Yeah. Are you a competitive person, Amanda? No. No? Okay. Are you Josh? I just don't like to make an arse out of myself. That's all. Yeah, (laughs) I guess I'm kind of the same. I like to be... You are competitive, Josh? A little bit. I like to be middle of the... I don't mind being middle of the pack. Like, I don't have a big ego with it, but... It's nice when you can, you know, pull out a win or do a little bit better than someone else. But I, I'm not, I don't strive for it. It doesn't drive me. Okay. I just, I just want to do better for myself. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty easy going that way. Okay. I'm just curious with you guys both doing the, uh, all these shooting competitions, if you were big competitive people. Uh, maybe with each other. I think. Yeah. I think maybe with each other because yeah, I, I know when we go through the archery circuit a few times, I'm like, oh, that was pretty close, and then he, he kicked my butt this time around. That was for <laughs> sure. But uh, oh, yeah. we're friends. We're always competitive when they go to the range. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I always I always try really hard not to not to be like that because I I want to be very uh, I want us to be very inviting about getting new people out, right? So mm-hmm. I I try really hard to not to not be like that <laughs> yeah. well, i want yeah. people to feel comfortable and however you do you do and it's just out to have fun with our club because we just need to get shooters out so yeah. i don't want to make it a really competitive you know i yeah i understand that yeah well, we, we razz well, each other the friends razz each other but that's about it yeah, yeah. you're and always I mean, going to get one or two competitive people in there they're going to be at the top yeah so oh, yeah. You, you always have to strive for those those, those levels to get beat those people though, at least of course but well, if it wasn't for today like i, I kind of know the level of shooter at our club and then i was going to a different club and i was wondering how it was all going to go but i don't think it was really any different than our own club <laughs> so yeah nice good. to see 
Yeah, I think you'll find at most clubs there's usually a handful of people who are like really competitive and want to win, even if it's not like against each other, but against themselves. They want to be the best version of themselves there are. But you'll yeah. find most most people who show up to matches are just there for a good time, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. that's just that their that's their dedication level to the game. That's where I try to keep myself. I want to I want to have fun with it because if I, I think if I get too competitive with it, I won't enjoy it anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm sort of both ways. Like I do it for fun, but I'm very competitive at the same time. Like I and I'll compete against myself just to improve my own my own scores. Yeah. Yeah. To me it's it's the fun like I do it for the fun factor, but if I'm there, especially with friends, then the the competitive edge comes through. Especially yeah. you know, if you got a friend that's a you know a better shot than you, I'm gonna try to kick his ass. And and, <laughs> and you, you don't don't aim for the top shooter in the club. Aim for the guy that's just above you. You know, a guy that can just get you all the time and just watch him, see what he does. And you'll probably learn a few little tricks off that guy is why he's beating you. But I just aim for the person above me and then you know I slowly work my way up. Totally. <laughs> when I can see the front sights. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did that uh, wrap it up for you, Amanda? Yes, sir. So speaking of being competitive, I haven't been on in a while, and I have about six matches under my belt since then. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, That's so why, Mikey. Yep, yeah, I shot the uh, I-Corps International Postal match. So that's a match that the I-Corps organization, they come up with four stages. And then all across the world, like I know I-Corps is big in Australia, Canada, and the U.S. Those are big countries for it. But anyway, everyone can shoot the same stages and all the results go to the headquarters. And then you get to see how you do compared to other people that you would not normally be able to shoot again because, you know, can't afford to fly to Australia just to see how I compare. Um <laughs> That went well. I mean, I haven't seen the, the the results won't come out until like January, but I did good for the match because that was the first I-Core match I've shot this year. Thanks, COVID. Um, but I did good. I came second in the match and I only came second by, I think, about a second. So I was quite happy with uh, where I ended up in the uh, pecking order of that. Um, after that, I shot the Peterborough had a level three Ipsic match. Um, we actually had a great turnout for revolver shooters for that. Um, I've always been told that, like a lot of these games, if you show up with a revolver, there's only going to be one or two other people. Well, it seemed that maybe because of COVID, there's not a lot of matches, like major matches out there, or just because people saw that some revolver people signed up. We ended up, I think, having 10 overall in the match, including some guys who are pretty good with revolver. Um, I actually managed to take the win for the revolver division in there, so I was quite happy with that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that 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 was my first level level three Ipsic match, so uh, came out pretty good for me. I'm um, surprised there was so many because last time I went to a big Ipsic match, there was only two of us. So yeah, ten degree turnout. Well, yeah, I think what happened is uh, me and two local guys to me that shoot revolvers were like, yeah, let's go shoot revolver. And because the i match was a week or two before the, the Peterborough match, we were talking to all the revolver guys being like, hey, I know you shoot Ipsic too. Come out to the to the big Ipsic match. And we got a few that way, and the ball just kind of kept going. So uh, I, I think it's one of those things where people like shooting revolvers, but just because there's not enough of them out there, they kind of just choose not to choose that division. So when they saw that there were actually going to be quite a few of them, more people started signing up. So it was pretty good. Excellent. Yeah. 
and then they had a match, a Nipsic match in Cornwall and Stittsville. Uh, both really good matches, had lots of fun. Um, I learned in Stittsville I really need to work on my uh, strong hand weekend at distance because they had a classifier there, and I just got wrecked by it. It was terrible. Um, and then outside that, uh, today was day one of the i match, the staff shoot. Uh, that went pretty good. That was the classifier match, so I'll get a classification in, uh, in limited division. Um I'm hoping for a class, but uh, we'll see what we get in the end of this. Uh, yeah, and the rest of the match tomorrow. Outside of that, lots of reloading, lots of dry fire, and I got a 3D printer, so I've been making a lot of dumb little upgrades for all my stuff, including my reloading gear. So, excellent. Like what? Um, just little parts for like the the case feeder that help make it more reliable and more consistent. Things like that. Uh, it causes, it makes it so the cases will tip over less. I've made some weighted base pads for my TPQ. Not that I shoot it very often anymore, but now I have weighted base pads. And then, yeah, I'm trying to think what else I did. I did a bunch of things that all kind of turned out to be duds or no good. So <laughs> learn by experience. Good stuff. Yeah. So you've got a, yep. you've got a PPQ? Yep. I, uh, yeah, I have the, the Q5 match one. Isn't that what Amanda's looking at, or no? What were you looking at, Amanda? Oh, hang on. I'll have to look it up. Pause for a second. <laughs> no, that's fine. They're, no, a popular, they're a popular gun. We've been selling quite a few of them. Yeah. Are you looking for... What caliber are you looking for, Amanda? I believe it was twenty-two. Yep. When, when I, I get do, my RPAL, though, so... Yeah. 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 I do know they do make the PPQ in twenty-two. Yes, and they do make them left-handed, so that's why I wanted it. Oh, really? I didn't know they made a left-handed yeah. version of it. Yes, they do. They were listed so what, in their top five, I think. So So what makes it left-handed? Is it like a left-handed slide so it ejects the other way? Yes, yes, exactly okay. that. Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty I, sure everything I've else is more – Yeah, I think most is ambidextrous, but in this case, from what I was – reading yeah so the extraction goes the opposite way so uh yeah from what i can read yeah i'm just pulling out my q5 right now come on one handed come on out come on out <laughs> uh what are they what yeah. are they retailing for amanda i'm taking a look here yeah. uh, i haven't seen the 22 yet so ppq left-handed canada let's take a look yeah, so assuming you can flip the mag around on mine, besides your slide issue, like yeah. ejecting the wrong way, it's like it's completely ambi- like and the slide releases on both sides. Looking at the looking at the mag release, it looks like you could flip it. Okay. Everything else looks pretty dexterous. So firearms outlet Canada has it listed for five ninety nine ninety five. In stock? Um out of stock right now so it's possible that it's not available this time no but... and the, that price will definitely go up oh totally so what i've noticed uh, with a lot of uh, websites say they they have a price on something and it goes out of stock once it goes out of stock it reverts to the old price that price could be a year two years old oh, <laughs> i've yeah. seen that happen where i just looked at it, it was you know 250 dollars, and then i go back and it's out of stock at 199 and it was an old price 
crazy. Hmm. Well, I'll, I know I have to save up anyway. And I mean, no, I'm just... sure I can make a right-handed one work for me. I Like I said, Josh's victory works pretty well. His uh, grand power, I don't like as much. Just the Well, place... the grand power is Pardon? It's got... The, the grand power, at least, is ambidextrous. It's got the buttons on both sides. It does, and maybe it's just your handle that I don't like, like the pad that you've got on there, the extra I've, piece. Well, I've got the biggest, I've got the biggest back strap on Yeah, it. so I think I would need to try that to, to see, but it just feels really big to me. But. Yeah, I think I think the ejection with a handgun matters less than it does with like a rifle or a shotgun, just because of it's you're holding your the face. gun. Yeah, you're holding it out at arm's length, so it's at least arm's length away where the ejection is. Where depending on the rifle or handgun, it could be you know inches in front of your face. Exactly, and I've had them yeah. hit me quite a bit, especially in my Ruger 1022. So it'll bounce off the side of the the port and. Hit me in my hair, hit me yeah. in my face, yeah, I... go down my top. <laughs> so it, it's just not, it's not a pretty scene. So, but also I have, again, shorter fingers. Uh, so again, just getting the placements there for the mag release and the safety and uh, the, uh, the lock there. So it, those features would be really important to me. Um but yeah, I was just looking up which ones people highly recommended, and the Walters was usually like number two, number one or number two, and it out of like five, and it seemed reasonably priced compared to the other ones. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. That's a while away though. I've been thinking about you actually lately because we've had several uh, Brownie BPSs come in. Have you? Yeah, and they're they're they're, they're newer ones with a camel finish, so they're going for a little bit more. But it, they're, they're like a new one's close to a grand these days, depending what kind of options you get on it. But man, they're they're a nice shotgun. So if I see one that's reasonably like really a super good deal, I will put it away and let you know. Oh please, 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 please. <laughs> Thomas is a terrible influence. I am. If I did to Josh. <laughs> No, it's all good. Here, have some more magazines. You might be able to shoot PPC. <laughs> no, I'd rather someone watch out for me with things that I really want. So, because I'm very strongly considering, right? So, it's what I want next on my list. If it's not well, too now you've got out a, of control. You've got a little lady, you got a lady hunter partner now. A lady That's hunter about. partner, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Christmas is coming up, so I can always ask for cash. So <laughs> that'll be funny. Cash is always good. Cash is always good. That's what I did. That's how I paid for my uh, pal course and my pal. Oh wow! Yeah, cool. I asked for I asked for money for Christmas, and everyone's like, "Okay, that works." That's easy. Great. I don't have to go shopping. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Out of curiosity. Out of curiosity, did your family know what you were going to, like, the people who gave you the money, did they know what you were going to do with it? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. 100%. Because <laughs> okay. their number one thing is uh, making sure that it doesn't go to bills. Uh, oh, okay. They, they want it. I'm really bad for doing that. So they wanted to make so sure that the. So responsible, but the whole idea was to spend the money on me. So a lot of the times I usually ask for gift certificates or, you know, if they're going to 
buy me something, make sure it goes towards a store that I like or something. But in this case, I was like, I just need cash, but this is why. So yeah. they, they were all down with that. And same with my birthday, too. So it was it worked out really well because I said, well, I'm going to buy a gun. So, you know, that'd be kind of nice. And you guys can't buy it for me. So <laughs> thanks. That's good. I I just know that if I told my family, hey, I want cash for a gun, my family would just laugh at me and be like, no, we're not giving you money for a gun. <laughs> I could probably I could probably sell them on giving me cash for heroin before I could convince them to give me cash for a gun. Oh. <laughs> no, my, so they, my they family. That anti-gun? Yeah. Uh, but they're pro-heroin? My, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, my sister, definitely. My parents... At least my dad is very much of the, as long as you're not bothering me, I don't really care what you do kind of attitude. So he doesn't care that I have a gun. He doesn't care that I hunt. But he said, just don't ever bug him to go shooting or hunting. And okay. I can I can live with that answer. All right. No, That's my family's fine. very interested. Uh, obviously, they're more, their interest has been piqued. I do have a couple family members who were like, I don't know how I feel about that, but in the end, they see how it makes me happy. And uh, as I've mentioned before, this has been a very big year of self-growth for me. So they're just like, whatever whatever makes Amanda happy and she's doing her thing, then that's what we'll support. And if anything, they make jokes that, you know, I'll, I'll be able to protect them. And yeah. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? Good. Go to Amanda's <laughs> house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, boy. But that's good that you have such a su supportive network. I do. I do. They don't know anything about it, but they're very supportive. That, so. that, that's what counts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And my family owns guns, except I've got one nephew that hunts. That's it. And But nobody's anti-gun, but nobody else in my family shoots. But my mom was the one that bought me my first gun. So she's always – my mom was shooting with me. Yeah. I was lucky I had a cool mom. Have a cool mom. Sorry, mom. Have, have, have. She listens, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh Thomas. She gets, every year, she gets me either something gun-related. And I stole out, she, like, a lot of stuff in my gun kit is from my mom over Christmas. What do I want? Oh, can you get me some shooting gloves, mom? Can you get me this? And she does. So oh, thank you, mom. Awesome. I appreciate it. Aw. I like that. Yeah. She's good to me. Yes. So what's right. our topic this week, Michael? Uh, we're going to talk about some reloading presses. Uh, in our little uh, chat for the show, uh, we kind of got onto a topic of presses, and we realized that uh, Amanda didn't didn't know what we were talking about, for starters. No, no so. clue. <laughs> Over Which my head. Perfectly, yeah, which is perfectly fine, but it, it kind of once again brought back that point that some of us don't even realize what people don't know. Does that make sense? We, yeah. we take it for granted that it's not common knowledge. Exactly. You just did six competitions. You're not a new shooter anymore. So. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and you placed so in the every first single question was, Yeah, took the win. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So the first question is, what is a press? Um, a press is essentially a, a tool that you use to reload ammunition with. Um, so you can get them in many different flavors and sizes and 
colors for brand. Um, but they all really have the one goal of turning your spent brass into, you know, new live cases again. Um, so I guess to start it off, we can separate them. There are shotgun presses. I've never reloaded shotgun ammunition because I've been told it's to, in today's climate, it's not worth it. You can buy it for cheaper. Um, but some people do it. I know. Uh, so the first place we could split this off is single, uh, single stage press or a progressive press. Um, so a single stage press is just that it's one stage. So we're not going to get into the details of how to reload, but in reloading, there's multiple stages. You need to resize and take out your old primer. You need to put a new primer in. You need to put a little bell on the case so that your new bullet will actually fit into it. And you need to actually put the bullet in. And in some cases, you also need to crimp. Um, so each of those stages, you would have to do individually on a single stage press. Um, now, sum what, it up quick and simple. Most people. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So I thought crimping was for shotguns, shells. Is that not the case? Shotgun shells do it too. On like metallic rounds, like your handgun and your rifle, what you do is that right where the very tip of the casing of like the brass, where the bullet is, you can press that part in to hold onto the bullet tighter. Okay, gotcha. So... Um, the military does it a lot because of their automatic rifles. There's so much vibration going, it'll actually cause the bullet to come right out. Okay. Um, when you're hunting, people will put more of a crimp on it because they're worried about, you know, when they're hiking through the wood and banging their rifles on stuff, they want to make sure that that bullet stays in the same spot when they're, for when they actually shoot it. Um, with revolvers, uh, like you take one shot and in mine, I, it's an eight shot revolver. So there's nine or sorry, nine. I don't know how I grew around in there. There's seven other rounds sitting in there and they all get jostled around from that recoil. And that jostling can actually pull the bullet right out of the casing. If you don't have it crimped enough to hold on to it. And we both had that happen too. So, and it, yeah. it, freezes, it freezes. Yeah. Up right the now. I have a, yeah. It, yeah, it can. Uh, right now, I have a crimping problem. I had taken my 9 mil crimping die apart to clean it over the winter, and apparently I forgot where it was set, and I still haven't found a crimp hard enough to hold the 9 mil rounds in since there is 929 revolver. They oh, no. keep coming out. So so, so I'll, I'll figure that out. But anyway, sorry, Amanda. Yeah, that's what crimping is okay. on a metallic round. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that was a really long, really long detour. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um yeah. Yep. So going back, uh, what the press essentially looks like, I mean, they all look a little different, but they essentially look kind of like an O that you mount onto the side of your, your bench with a handle on it. So when you pull the handle down, it makes the, uh, I don't know what all the technical terms is, the ram goes up into the die with the case. So the case is on the ram, it goes up into the die, and then when you reverse the action, it pulls the case back down so you can take it out and put the next one in. Okay. Yeah. So a single stage, it does that one at a time. Um, single stage is often considered the beginner's press because a lot less can go wrong because you're going so much slower. Um, a lot of people would say for precision reloading, you need to use a single stage press. That's why you'll hear a lot about like rifle load, rifle reloaders will use a single stage press because they can control the actions a lot better. Um, it's all true. It's all good. But if you're anything like me and you shoot a higher volume of ammunition, um, you want to go up to what's called a progressive press. 
So now on that RAM, instead of just having a spot for one case to go, on my particular press, I have five. Well, so every time that that RAM goes up, sorry, you, got, you missed one though. There, in between yours, what there's a turret. Pre- there's a turret press. Oh yeah, sir. sorry, there's a turret <laughs> press. So on a turret press, it's essentially like a single stage in the fact that you're only doing one action at a time, but you can lock in. I, I it depends on what press you get, how many dies it will lock in, but it will lock in the 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 individual die, so you can rotate the piece that has your die in it. So. It's kind of like a single stage, but you already have all your dice set up. That's yeah, the way so you're, I not, always looked you, so at you're it. not pulling all the parts and pieces apart every time you want to do a stage. You could just yeah, but yeah. Well, yeah, the basics of it with the turret press, it takes four cranks with the handle to make one round. Where the progressive press, it takes one crank to make one round once you get it going. So the volume that yeah. you can produce in a turret press is quite, but the difference is the cost basically. Yeah. So yeah, so a progressive press, you put five cases on the RAM at a time, and it goes up into five separate dies at a time. So lots of times you'll have the first, you call them stages, what each die is. So the first stage is the first one that the brass would go into. Second one's the second. So like on my press, I'm looking at it right now. My first stage, I resize and deprime it. And then on the downstroke, it puts a primer in. On the second stage, it drops powder into it, and it puts a bell on the case. My third stage, it checks to make sure that I have powder in the in the case. Fourth one, I put the bullet in, and the fifth one, I crimp it, and then the case falls out on on its own too. So, do, do you have a, uh, something to measure the powder and make sure the powder is actually in the case? I have, well, I, yeah, I have my powder cop in station three, so it doesn't measure it out per se. I've played around with it before. It's not really a precision instrument, but what it is, it will tell me if I have nothing or twice as much. Right. <laughs> so if it's well, off, good. By, like, if it's good. off by, yeah, well, that's just it. Right. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're mass producing ammo. ammo. It's not going to like, if you're off by point one of a grain, it's not going to pick up that small of a difference, but it will pick up the difference. Between, you know, and for what you do, does that really matter? For me, like how no. Precise, how precise do you need to be in your, you know, your your revolver rounds for it to stick? Honestly, they just need to be consistent enough that they always make power factor. Okay. That's how I would describe it. So mm-hmm. power, power factor is a measurement. You take your bullet, your weight and grain, and you times it by your feet per second, and you get a number... That's like 125,000. So a lot of times you just drop off the the thousand part. So it's 100. So your power factor would be 125. Okay. And in if in all the games there's a minimum power factor, and it's a way of making it so that people aren't shooting really, for lack of a better term, wimpy loads. It makes them so that they have a certain amount of recoil, so the game is consistently fair for everybody. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. I don't really have like a minimum spec. As long as mine keep making power factor, I don't really care. But mine are usually a spread. Jeez, uh, I don't know. Probably somewhere between uh, maybe twenty to forty feet per second difference. No, I, I have a question. Which I know so if you're you... talking like precision rifle. I was gonna say, I was gonna say if uh, if you're talking. But if you're talking precision rifle guy, they would say that like forty feet per second is way too big of a spread. But oh, for yeah. me, for what I do, it's fine. Right. Now, your your Hornady, it, it dispenses in volume, though, not weight? 
Yes. Um, pretty much every press, unless you buy a set like a, a powder trickler, like a yeah. automated powder trickler, which is a whole separate machine in itself from a press. Well, you, that, you that's, always... why, that's why I mentioned it, because when Josh asked about it with, with the rifles, um, they, they, they won't usually use volume. They'll use actual weight and they'll weight to the grain every time. So that's why yeah. they have such that they have, the deviation is very minimal. But when you're doing, like, say, just pistol shooting, it's by volume. So you're close. One charge could be one 3.7, one could be 3.8. It can vary just a little bit. Not usually enough to affect your accuracy, but for long range, you don't want that. It, yeah. Everyone has to be the same. So you do weight yeah. instead of volume. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the quick rundown, I think, of a progressive press. You can add on other things to yours. Like I've added on a case feeder. So what that means is I just, I can take like a bucket of brass and just kind of dump it in the top bucket of this thing. And it will automatically drop cases into my press the correct way every time. So isn't that's that one great? less thing. That's isn't one that less thing though? I have to do. Oh, it's awesome. Um, oh, I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at even getting a bullet feeder soon so that that will also put the bullet on. So literally the only thing I have to do is crank the handle up and down and make sure <laughs> and like visually look and see that everything is okay. Nice. So, yeah. And then it will be time to automate it, <laughs> which is a whole nother thing. So what it comes down to with each stage or each style of press you're going to is how much time you're actually investing it versus the money you're spending. So if you're shooting rifle, they usually do single stage. They usually do by powder, but it's one shell at a time for 50 rounds. It's going to take you, you know, an afternoon to make a box of ammo. Tour press to get a box of ammo will take you 20 minutes. Mike's press box of ammo will take you one or two minutes. <laughs> I guess yeah. depends on what kind I, of shooting you're doing. If you're reloading for a hunting rifle that you're going to use, you know, 10 rounds a year, who cares, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, I loaded up 200 rounds this morning in 20, 30 minutes, I think. Nice. And that was also with my four-year-old daughter helping me. I, I air quote helping, not that you can see. So. <laughs> there's your there's your automation for you. You just get her to pull the lever, and you just have to you just have to stand there and watch. Well, I, I have to send her to the gym first, then, because she doesn't quite have the strength. Oh. <laughs> Usually, she just sits there and hold, and tries to hand me bullets while she balances on my knee. So. Aww, <laughs> cute. It take it takes me anywhere between fifty minutes and an hour to make a hundred rounds. With my trailer yeah. press, and that's yeah. checking the odd round, making sure that I got, you know, I'm just checking everything. And every once in a while, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll take, I'll, I'll measure the overall length to make sure everything's consistent. Yeah, you know what, Amanda? We were talking about starting an Instagram page. If you start an Instagram page, I will take a. You can do like a 10 second video on there, right? Oh, of course, you can do actually I, like a couple minutes, whatever you want. So I'll do a, a video of my progressive press in full action. Hopefully, it won't jam up in the video. If it oh. does, I'll just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'm definitely a visual learner, so that will that will help. So you you guys are doing a great job at dissecting it for me, though. So thank you. I appreciate that. So so a lot of people will start out on a single stage press because you're doing one action at a time. So it's a lot easier and it's a lot easier to catch if something's going wrong when you're doing a progressive press because you're essentially doing five or more things at once. It's it's if you make a little mistake somewhere, you may not necessarily catch it because you need to be watching a lot of things at once. Um, and then, then you may have 500 rounds that you have to disassemble because they're all squib loads. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, I bought my single stage press. I had it for one year. 
I loaded up in that one year I loaded up I think 538 specials for Sarah she was shooting cowboy and about 509 millimeter and I said screw it I'm buying a progressive press because yeah. that was miserable and I mean I I load up I easily load 10,000 rounds in a year now so to me it's it's worth it just in time to do it on a to pay for a progressive press versus but, doing it on a single stage so do you but do you still recommend starting on a single stage just to, to learn the process even though you're gonna even though you might upgrade in a year i wouldn't you know i, I would i wouldn't it, it, well i should say that it really depends on the person i am a very mechanically inclined person i could have done a progressive press i think right from the beginning but right. if you were very nervous about this and you didn't have anyone to teach you about it or like if you didn't have someone that you could call and be like hey i think i'm having a problem but i'm not sure then maybe a progress or a single state press would be a good start. But if you're very man- mechanically inclined and you you know you're going to go that way anyways, then I wouldn't I wouldn't sway you away from a progressive press. Right. No. And it's, if you're if you're you know a hunter and a rifle shooter and you want to develop some roads loads for your rifle, you can do it on single stage press because you're only going to be making probably a box and shoot one or two boxes. You can do it. Yeah. I mean, I still reload my uh, well, Sarah's twenty-two two fifty on the single stage press. Well, that's right. all George. That's all George has actually used right now. He's got a Hornady sitting in a box that he's never assembled, but yeah. he's been using the single stage press for since he started getting into shooting. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it you can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. It just it's a time thing, right? If you're like George who shoots once a year, then that's fine. Right. If you want to shoot once a week, then you're going to want something more progressive, quicker. Fair enough. Um, so, so will any any press do any caliber uh, as long as you have the right kind of dies? It doesn't really not depends on the press. Yeah, depends on the press. There are I know there's a few presses that say they won't do 50 BMG. Not that I'm a not that I think a lot of new shooters out there are concerned about reloading 50 BMG. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. But I, I think there are, I think there's some progressive presses that won't do rifle caliber. They're only designed for handgun calibers. Okay. So, I think most single stage presses can do everything except for maybe 50 BMG. But I think, yeah, I think most of them can do that. Progressive presses, you might need to look into it. I know, I think my, uh, I'm going off memory. I want to say my Hornady. I have a Hornady. Uh, lock and load i think that's what it's called horny progressive press and i think it can do everything up to 300 win mag on it okay i've the biggest thing i've loaded on it is 223 mm-hmm. just because i don't shoot a lot of rifle stuff and 223 is about the only thing that i shoot in any or i used to shoot in any sort of quantity that was worth reloading right. now, the only disadvantage i wouldn't say disadvantage but the only um obstacle with the progressive press as compared to say the turret or the single stage is the cost. Yes, there. D- depending on the manufacturer, like your your press loan is what seven fifty. I have absolutely no idea. I was looking. I was going to buy a Dillon and everything to go with it except the automation, and it was almost two grand. Oh yeah, you can spend a lot of money if you want to buy. Like if you want to go to the Creme de la Creme and you want to buy a Dillon ten fifty, which has eight stations in it, so you can do a lot of different things with it gives you a lot of flexibility. That's what I think two grand just to start before you even buy a die for it. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like I'm going to save money reloading. You will. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I was just going to say. <laughs> you might. 
you, um, you save money technically, but you shoot more, so you just blow away any money that you save. Oh, if I'm spending the, if I'm spending fifteen hundred bucks to two thousand on a on a press, that's kind of that's blowing my ammo budget for a couple of years there. That's that's crazy. Well, it also depends on what you're reloading. Um, I had this written down somewhere, really right here. Um, I know thirty eight special. I think like a bargain price of thirty eight special is somewhere around fifty cents a round, and I would right. reload mine for about thirteen cents a round for competition. Oh, okay. So I was saving thirty seven cents a round. Now, if I reloaded a thousand of them, that that's some pretty good savings right there. I'm gonna make it. Is. I, I know okay. I paid off my press over and over again. So let's take my, that $2,000. Let's take that $2,000 Dylan off the table. What's a good entry level price for a single stage? Like bare bones, probably. I would even. The box. I would even do the single stage. I would just go straight to a turret press. It's going to okay. cost you the same amount of money, and yeah. it's, it, it it takes four functions out of it. It does everything. So you just so you just get everything set up. What kind of price point are we looking for that then? Well, actually, that's what I'm just looking up. There's a, a, a great reloading store in Canada called Budget Shooting Supply, and their prices on the, the lead presses are, are super cheap. So I'm just going in there because you can get kits that have everything, everything except the tumbler. It comes with the powder scale, the trimmer. Um, some of them come with dies, some don't, but all your tools. And I think I bet you I paid under 300 bucks for everything for mine. Okay. So that's not so bad, especially if you have that kind of cost savings on like a 38 special. That's kind of kind of crazy. And I, I guess on a nine yeah. mil, you'd be saving as much, but you'd probably still save. Yeah, I think what what do you pay for a nine mil now? Somewhere between twenty and twenty five cents around. Well, if you and, buy a box of fifty, you're spending like thirty or forty cents. Yeah. Well, sorry. I always speak in buying in bulk. I I don't yeah. think I've ever bought a box of fifty rounds of anything that wasn't a rifle round. <laughs> I've always bought in like thousands. Um. Right. So if you buy a thousand, I think you pay somewhere so between two and two and two hundred fifty dollars yeah. for nine. They're you're a little bit more now. They're like three three fifty now. So. Okay. Well, that just goes to show how long it's been since Grandpa yeah. bought a box of a case of ammo. Um. <laughs> But I'm still reloading it for like 13, 15 cents a round. So yeah, your savings not as big. You'll have to reload more to make up that gap. But yeah, you're still you're still saving money. Whereas I know I think like I said before with shotgun, I think you don't save any money anymore with that. And it's a fun fun part of the hobby too, right? You can you can get into a whole other aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah. Well, there's got to be some cons though to this because. I, I'm just trying to like hold it back a little bit. Yep. Well, the the cons can be you have to be aware that you're still handling lead. Sometimes the 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 primers actually have mercury. Um, I when I reload, I wear latex gloves. I'm very conscious of my exposure to the stuff that I'm touching. So I've are got you plain lead? Are you I've reloading? Got I still have some so, plain yeah, lead. You're... Yeah. Oh really? But okay. Though, I. I... He, even though you've got the copper plated, you still have lead exposure there. It's still in the box. It's still because when they, well, when they, I think probably the biggest concern is the brass prep, right? Because you're cleaning all of that spent brass and all the. That's another thing. If you if you say if you're cleaning your brass, if you have a, a vibrating tumbler, you don't want to do that inside the house because that's going to put all that contaminated dust in your air. You want to put it outside in the garage and run your tumbler. Wet system it doesn't put anything into the environment. But little things like that, you even handling the media, like if you're using the, the um so, someone breathing, breathing heavy and hot. Not me. 
<laughs> I know we're getting excited about reloading, but uh, <laughs> cool it off. Oh, turn press, single stage. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just looked it up. Uh, the Lee anniversary kit, which is what I have, and I would say it's a great starter kit. It's two twenty at Cabela's right now, oh, and wow. that comes with that comes with the balancing, a powder drop. It's kind of like Thomas said, it comes with everything but the dies and like the components for the actual ammunition. I also just, I've heard some people da- kind of you know downplaying Lee is so Lee Lee's lasted okay for you. You haven't had any problem with parts. And nope, I've, uh, I've never had a problem. I have usually only ever... people with the blue presses that talk bad about the red. Well, presses. that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the Dillons. Yeah, yeah. I've um, never had a problem with my Lee dies or anything. And you'd say never... is maybe in the middle or. Uh, like Dillon's number one, Hornady's in the middle, Lee's kind of at the bottom end, or. It depends, because um, Lee's one of the few ones that actually will custom make dies for you. You've got an obscure caliber. You contact Lee, they will make stuff for you. They don't have the same warranty as, say, as Big Blue, where it's automatic over the counter here. You know, you fix it because you already paid us all the money up front, so we'll give you free parts. They do charge after the warranty's over. They do charge for the parts, but it's at a reduced cost. Okay. I had to send my Lee press back in. And they replaced it cost free. Okay. That, uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it would after the warranty period was gone. Um, Hornady, it it might be under Dylan. The only the only real reason why I put Hornady under Dylan is because Hornady Progressive Press only goes up to a five stage press, whereas Dylan kept going and they made an eight stage press. Oh, okay. And that's and that eight stage one is like you automate that thing and you have an ammo factory in your head in your basement. <laughs> Which, of course, is like my dream. Um, I just looked up for the basic st- like press with no case feeder. My Hornady one is now going for 800 uh, We'll call it $900 at yeah. X Reload. When I looked so, at that press, it was 750 Yeah. So it's like the, the price goes up. But once again, if you're talking about if you're talking about reloading a lot of ammo, you'll recoup it quicker on a progressive press than you will on a single stage. Right, but it also depends, like I said, on how much you want to do it. The other thing to consider too, just a thought, is how much time you want to spend reloading. Right? Some people, some for some people, reloading is is a hobby in itself. Right? And yeah. they love sitting behind their press and they love making ammunition, and great for them. I reload because it's cheaper ammo. Right? I should it's cheaper in cost, not necessarily in quality. I think I I make very good quality ammunition. But it's that's why I reload. And, and a good source for reloading information is the Reloading Podcast. Those guys yeah. all reload. There's reloading forums. If you've got questions, they have the answers. Yeah. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a question, feel free to send us a message, either Facebook or email. I think that's it right now. Possibly Instagram coming soon. I, I'm really putting the pressure on you now. <laughs> yeah, I'll get on it. Well, we're also photogenic. We really need to get on Instagram, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say some of us have a face made for radio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's why I have no urge to do videos. Yeah. I, I like the audio. I want to listen to the show. I don't want to watch people when yeah. they're talking. Just, yeah. Uh, you also asked Amanda about some of the cons. Uh, one of the cons I would say coming out of this 
is you're responsible for your own ammunition, right? Like if you screw something up and you either put a double charge in there and you blow up your gun, it is nobody's fault but your own. So that is a, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a weight some people or a burden some people don't want to bear, right? I can yeah. see that. I mean, I know there's a couple of reloaders at our club and just the amount of smoke that comes from their guns. I just, I, I kind of wonder if that's just like an after effect or are they loading too much? Too they're little? Probably, they're, like, they're they're shooting lead. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. If you shoot lead and especially with the Winchester 231 powder, it's really smoky and indoors you don't want to be around it. I have no idea what they're using for powder, but 100% they're using just lead, yeah. Yeah. The problem with lead is that uh, it's got a, a low melting point. So if you're shooting lead and you don't have a gas seal on it, you're vaporizing the end of that bullet really fast, and you're letting up your gun. Yeah. But at the same time, that's also a positive, because if you're loading your own ammunition, you can customize it just the way you want. So you can, exactly. there are some powders, it doesn't matter what bullet you use, it's still smoky. So you can choose to buy different powders to get different results. Um, but yeah, and then obviously the con of time. It takes time to reload, right? If you If you have the money and you would say, screw it, I'd rather spend my time with my kids, then you can do that. So it's up to you. Yeah, just what's your time worth to you? That's what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah, because realistically, if you don't have time to reload now, then you're not going to have time to reload when you get a press. It doesn't magically make more time for you. All it does is make more stress because you think you have to reload now. Otherwise, you're not recouping your cost on it. Right. Yeah. So, Mike, do you, do you usually save your brass or do you buy new brass? I have I have only ever bought brass once in my life. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I traditionally always what I've done when I bought when I get a new caliber, like I bought a 45 ACP a uh, year or two ago. What I'll do is I'll buy a case, a thousand rounds of that caliber. That because for the most part, when it, I'm not saying it's always this case, but when the few times I've looked into it, the cost savings isn't enough if you buy brass. Right. Like you're not going to save enough. So a lot of times I'll just buy a thousand rounds of that ammo and then I shoot it and I keep the brass. And that's how I start my brass collection. So how many times, times, a hundred, hundred rounds of brass is going to cost you thirty, forty dollars anyway. So you might yeah. as well just buy ammo. Right. Right. So how, so how many reloads can you get out of a casing? Um, well, it depends on how hot you load your ammunition. Me personally, I mean, I don't know. I've loaded some of my cases up so many times that I, I, I don't keep track anymore of how many times I've loaded up a particular round, to be so honest. So will you only bring back your own brass, or will you pick at the range? I will pick anyone's brass. I am a brass whore. <laughs> um, like, especially when I first started out shooting, I picked up everybody's brass. At the end of a match, I would one of those people who would run out there and grab all the brass. If you weren't out there grabbing your brass, I was taking it home. Yeah, we have those yeah. people too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, I'm one of those people. I I will sort my brass too when I get home. I'll sort them all by head stamps. When I reload, I'll reload either all the Federal or all the Winchester. But when I do my rounds, I'll use all that one brass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I sort mine, but that's just more for my OCD reasons, not because I actually care about brands. Um, well, I was, but, just, I was just gonna add something to what Josh said. What about the amount of times that you 
you can actually reload the cases. My nine millimeter, some of them 30, 40 times. And usually, Holy cow. you know when it's in is when you actually, the, the case melts will start to crack after a while because you flexed it so many times. So that's yeah. usually, I reload it till the case melt cracks and then I throw it out. Yeah. So some you, of them you, you can barely you, see the data stamp on the end ba- of the barrel at the end of the, uh, the cartridge. It's worn and, thin from. Yeah, you inspect each one really carefully before you put it back into your collection. I, I sort my brass, but what you, you see when you when you when you go to resize it's, it may be fine until you go to resize it, and when you go to resize it or you put it around it, and then okay. it cracks on you. That's when you see. And it. you got to okay. take. That's when you see it. So yeah. Because that's, that's had, one reason why I've been leery about just picking at the range because I don't know what I'm getting if there's any real concern there. The only the only thing you got to re- re- watch is that you got to look at the primers because um, Glocks are unsupported chambers, so a lot of times if there's if it's been fired through a Glock, there'll be a little bulge at the end of the case. Now, you, there's a die for that that you can straighten out, which got Glock shooters resize it and they'll size out that little thing. But they, they have that little space grooved out to allow the gun to, to function if it gets dirty or fouled up at all. Yeah. But it puts that bulge in the case, so you got to really be careful with the Glock brass. I've mm-hmm. never had that problem with any 9mm. I don't have the bulge buster. But I've I've heard that I feel like that's more of a thing for 40, 40 Glocks, not uh, nine mil. I think but, you're probably right. I think that's where because of the higher pressures. I've heard more about the forties. I haven't heard much about the nines, but the nines still do that small bulge. But yeah, my my dies seem to take it out. Yeah, and yeah, going back to your question about buying brass, the only reason why I ever bought brass was because when I was getting into revolver, I did the same thing. I bought my thousand rounds of you know store bought stuff. But I got into revolvers so much that I needed more. I want to be able to have more ammunition on hand at a time. And but, but, unlike nine or forty, nobody else is leaving their their thirty eight special brass on the ground. Right. No, right. So like so gold. the only way to get it was to buy some. And I didn't even buy new brass. I bought. I think I actually bought it off a shooting range. Like it was somewhere where like. Clearly, you know, one of those places where, like, as soon as the brass touches the ground, it's not your, like, it's the clubs now kind of thing. And right. I got, like, a box of it. And, like, there were chunks of lead in it. There were other calibers in it. Like, <laughs> it wasn't really greatly sorted. But whatever, it was cheap brass. And it was 5,000 of them. So, yeah. 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 But, yeah, so that's the only time I'd really suggest buying that. Or, I mean, unless you're getting into, like, some super competition stuff where you want, like, brand new brass for, like, your open gun kind of thing. But that's – if you're at that level, you're you're way beyond us here. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, uh, what the used market? Do you suggest uh, for a press? I mean, is there anything to watch? Oh, yeah, a lot of guys, I, will, I saw, a lot of guys uh, will upgrade. Yeah, because there might be a lot of guys going from their turf press to a progressive and wanting to unload their turret press and i mean is there anything you should watch for as far as wear items or anything to be to, to be leery of i would actually make see it function i'd make sure it works like okay see load up around for me just i want to make sure everything works and yeah visibly inspect it i guess the only thing the only wear part on the lead presses is that there's a, a, a small plastic column at, at the where it sits on the ram and it goes up to the dies and it's plastic, so if you over-tighten it, you can strip it. So that's the only thing of mine that ever failed, and it cost $2.50 to replace it. And I emailed Lee on a Friday, and I got the new part in the mail on the Tuesday from the U.S. No charge. Yeah. So it's just that there's that one little plastic piece you have to be concerned about. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. 
I've never bought a press used, but I have a bunch of friends who have, and I don't think any of them had any problems with it. Um, once again, also, if you're going with a reputable brand, like we were talking about Dylan and their, their warranty program, I would say that Hornady has just as good of a plan. I have broken so many things on this press, and I pretty much just emailed them. And like, there's been times when I just emailed them and be like, I don't think I have this setting right. And they're just like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just send you another one. And it's like, oh, okay, that works too. Like, so if you pick a brand that is very reputable, even if there's small problems with it, you may be able to even get it fixed for free as long as you're willing to go through the effort of logging onto a website, filling in a form, and sending hit and send. So Yeah, so like Hornady and Big Blue, they have a lifetime warranty, I think at least two years. Oh, I think we should also mention, in case someone doesn't know, Big Blue is Dylan. I just realized you keep saying big, big blue. I don't know if people, yeah. if someone who is new to this doesn't know that that's actually Dylan brand. Yeah, I wouldn't. So know. I won't say big blue. Yeah, Dylan. Yeah. Everything they have is blue. Everything Hornady has is what red. Lee's red, red. too. RCB's what green. Green. Um, and one's yellow. Or orange. Uh, oh, that's uh, not RCBS. Lyman. Is Lyman? Yeah, and the rock chucker's green, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so my, like my my advice if somebody's going to get into shooting and wants to get into reloading and you don't have a lot of cash, get the Lee Turret Press, get whatever guys you want. But what you should do is buy – when you buy the press, you can get a second head die. So that way what happens with Lee Press, when you're finished, the whole head comes off with all your dice set. You don't have to change anything. You put it away. And you just buy the extra disc for your other die. So if you buy another caliber, buy another disc. And another powder measure. That way you can take the whole thing off, put it back on. When I first started, I only had the one disc. So if I was going to change calipers, I could take all the dies out and then I had to reset them all when I put them back in. And so get a separate disc and powder measure so you can just change heads. That, that's actually a good point. And on my Lee press, each die fits into a little threaded body that threads into the Lee press to the exact same spot every time. So that means yeah. that if I buy a bunch of them, I can have all my different dice preset and I don't have to set them every time I put them in the press, which saves a lot of time. Same thing with my Hornady. All my dice, they go in a special little thing so I can just swap them out and I don't actually have to reset the dice every time. Otherwise, that would just be miserable. Yeah, the only thing you have to reset if you don't have a powder measure for that die set and you take it out of one of your another one of your set, that will affect that die. So we'll have to fine-tune that one. That's why I usually just buy the powder drops, like 25 30 bucks. They're not, they're not expensive. So if I buy if I buy another caliber, I buy powder drop for that caliber as well too in the plate, and that way I've got them all set up. So I've got four or five calibers all ready to go in the turret press. So yeah, cool. Um, yeah, the uh, I'm just thinking of other expenses that might come across when you get your press. Besides your dies, I mean, you can spend as little as Lee, and you can go all the way up to like su super customized dies out there that will cost you way more than I'm willing to pay. Um, yeah. I'd say. Uh, you'll need uh, what am I thinking of uh, the shell holders because you'll need different size shell holders for different cases. Um, some dies like the Lees come with the with the shell holder with them, so you don't actually have to buy it. Um, things like the Hornady because it's like a plate that holds five, you you do have to buy it separately. Um, if you're once you when you get darker and into progressive, you know you might want to buy yourself a case feeder or bullet feeder. So what that is is it literally feeds the case into the machine and the bullet right on top of it, so you don't even have to touch anything; just pull the handle. 
And yeah. you you can get case feeders and bullet feeders for the Lee Press, for the Turp Press also, I believe. But it's, it, they're very difficult to get set up. You're better just to get a nice progressive press if you're going to go that route with feeders. Yeah, that that didn't make sense to me. Like, if you're going to go up to the point of case feeders and bullet feeders, like, then go progressive. Because with a progressive, yeah. it makes sense. You just pull, pull the arm every time. If you're talking turret, you still have to do something in between. Um, yeah, it's either four, three strokes or four strokes, depending yeah. what uh, what type of dies you have set up. Yeah. But so, they make good ammo. Yeah, but... Yeah, and uh, going back to something that Thomas said, what he said the first thing you should do is is whatever. I w- the answer was wrong anyways. The first thing you need to do is find a friend who had a reloading press and go visit <laughs> them and watch them reload some ammo. Or at least watch hours. Like you can watch you can watch an infinite number of hours of people reloading and setting up their presses on YouTube nowadays. Um, so, I, I mean, wrong. like, yeah, you were. You should go visit someone first. And Daddy, before you buy anything, go visit someone who has the stuff and see what you like and don't like about it. Because that will give you the best indication. And you might That's think, exactly. hey, yeah, you might think, hey, I definitely want a progressive. And you might watch someone go through a progressive press and you might be like, wow, this is too much going on at once. I need to start single stage. Or you could go to someone who had a single stage and say, like, man, this is it's like watching paint dry. It's so slow and boring. I need to go progressive. No, you're absolutely right, because that's what I did. I saw the single and the turret, and then you told me the cost of the progressive. I said, I like the turret. (laughs) Yeah. So the additional equipment required, um, when when would you need to do case trimming? Like, you'd be resizing in one of your stages, but um, how do you know when you need to resize the case? Do you need special measuring tools and special trimmers, then, obviously, to do that? Case trimming is usually only done with rifle rounds. Okay. So usually that you would resize it and then you would potentially trim it. You could measure it first and then decide if you want to trim it or not. Um, You can buy a little handheld thing where you you trim it with your hand from Lee. And I think they are less than $20 per caliber. So you can spend a very small amount. I just this year, because I was making my own custom cases for my revolver, I went out and I bought, I think it was about $150 case trimmer that has like a little wheel arm. You put the case in and you slide the part, the, the blade part in and you spin a little wheel and it goes just to the perfect distance. It's a lot nicer to work with. But once again, that depends on what level you want to be at. Handgun ammunition, you don't have to trim it if you don't want to, or you really don't have to trim it at all. I, I trim mine because only when I'm making my custom ammo. But now that I've made it, I'm never going to trim it again, hopefully. Okay. So, so. Something else on YouTube. Uh, they, uh, it's actually heat treating the necks. When would you, what's that called? When would you do that? Oh, annealing. Annealing. There you go. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. I've never done annealing. Um, what a, from what I understand, annealing makes the brass life extended longer. Because like Thomas was saying, the neck, the neck where you put your bullet in is where it's going to crack first. So what that does is it helps keep the life in the case, so you'll get more reloading out of it. That is definitely a revolt, or sorry, a rifle thing, and I've never bothered with it because I don't a I don't shoot enough for rifle, and I feel like the only people who really tend to do that are guys who are like into big long range stuff where they want to keep their very expensive brass for a very long time. Oh, okay. But I I would put that way down on the list of things to get. Like don't <laughs> even bother right yeah. now. 
that's the thing when you start looking going down these rabbit holes of reloading all these all this minutia into what you can do be so precise and all these things that you can buy and can do and what do you what what can you really get away with right yeah i mean with rifle with with rifle brass because the amount of stretching you you don't have an option you have to trim it because it it won't feed if you don't trim case but you don't have yeah but you you don't have that with a handgun you don't get the case stretch because you don't have the neck so and you'll get maybe two or three uses out of that case where with the pistol, you can probably get 20 uses out of the case because you don't have that stretching. The only stretching you get in the pistol is when you're actually flaring the case mouth to do your powder charge and then encrypt it down. But with the rifle, every time you fire a shot, you stretch that case and you stretch that case and you have to trim it or it won't feed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, if you're talking, you're going down the world of things to buy, right? Like we were talking before, you can buy an auto trickler where you just pretty much where you just press a button and it will automatically dispense the exact amount based on weight, not even by volume for how much to put in your case. But once again, I wouldn't bother with that for me because that is to me a high end rifle shooter thing. And I am not a high end rifle shooter. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the ultimate thing to do is go out and get yourself a Mark seven, which is about a, how much are they going for now? I think they're going for somewhere around 15 grand. I want to say 10 to 15 grand, I think. And that is once again, that is a ammo manufacturing plant in your basement where it's <laughs> motorized touchscreen. Like you just pretty much hit start and it just starts pumping out ammunition for you. That's my, that's my dream, but uh, that's so fun. Yeah. It's also, you know, two or three times as much as I paid for my last car. So <laughs> And you might have, to, might have to get a manufacturing license. <laughs> uh, no, nah, as long as you keep it for yourself, you don't need a manufacturing license. We'll just buy it for the but club. Josh, Josh made a good point, though. If you go on, say, the Canadian Gun Nuts and the Equipment Exchange, there's always all kinds of presses on there. So, you know, if you buy something secondhand, you can still get a, a great value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that pretty much covers most of it just to do specifically with the press itself. Oh, obviously we avoided talking about dies as much as we could and the actual process of reloading, but yeah. Uh, any questions that you guys have? Um, unfortunately, Amanda, you can't reload 22 long rifle. Well, there is a way, but it's so complicated. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, it's not worth it and it's not mainstream. So I, I would just avoid. No, I, I was just under the assumption you couldn't do 22. So I mean, for the cost yeah. of them as well, I, I really don't bother. I wouldn't yeah. want to bother, but I, I guess the main thing is, I think we've already summed it up who this is for. Obviously this is for someone who enjoys doing the hobby or is uh, shooting so much that they're trying to keep their costs down like yourself, yeah. Mike, or uh, I, I wouldn't say it would be for me. I don't think like as much as I enjoy certain processes i'm always the one who wants to get it done as quick as possible i i'm not one that's going to pay attention to detail for a long period of time so setting up a whole thing in my garage or my carport isn't going to be something that i'm looking for so but i can i i it sounds like his uh george has a press thomas has a press mike has a press benny has a press I just need yep. to get Josh to get a press, and then I can get anybody to make me ammo. Come on now. That's yeah. awesome. And Yeah, and that's uh, I've heard of people who do that who will borrow someone's press, right? Like, 
you live close to Josh. If Josh had a press and you needed ammunition, hey, Josh, can I come over and load up 100 rounds of nine for the match that's, tomorrow? Whatever. Right? And just walk over there and use his press. Yeah, there's about four or five of us at the club that were actually talking about that. They're like, what if we all chipped in, you know, and we'll keep it, we'll lock it up in the closet at the club, and just the five of us will know the code and <laughs> we can use it. So we, yeah. we actually kind of tossed that idea around. Yeah. I'll talk yeah. no action, though. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any recommendation on where to buy components as far as like the uh, the projectiles and the powder? And um, do you do you usually just go to your local gun store, or do you have a good bulk source online that you could share? Or whoever's having a sale. Yeah, you just yeah, go that's anywhere. basically it. Yeah, I I always look for the best prices, and that's pretty much it. Best prices and free shipping because I'm cheap. Right. <laughs> and you and you go for. For your I-Core revolvers, you use the federal primers? Yes, I go federal everything. Uh, when you start getting the components, federal is the called softest, which means that it will go off with the least amount of strike. I guess that's a good way of saying it. So it means that if you highly tune your gun and you put really low-powered springs in it, it'll still go off. Okay. So, yeah. Now, un- unfortunately, right now, with um, the current situation, getting components out of the U.S., things are going to start drying up pretty soon. Uh, a lot of stores are running out of ammo already. We stocked up on ammo, but we have no components left. I've got shotgun primers. That's about it. And it's the same when Obama get elected. People are all, all the competition shooters are starting to hoard everything. So it's it's going to be difficult right now to find any federal primers okay. or projectiles. They're going to start getting drying up soon. Define hoard. I just want to I want to clarify. <laughs> I want to hear something. Define hoard, Thomas. How many primers need- and too many primers? On hand, fifty thousand. Okay. Now, if you've then got, I guess I don't. If you, I don't hoard then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've got, ten, you know, if you're an active shooter and you've got ten thousand primers, well, that's can that's that's your that's your summer ammo. You're it's going to be used. You're not just putting it away just in case. You're going to actually use it. But there's guys that just oh, I'll just buy because I won't be able to get it. Yeah. I probably have about uh, fifteen thousand primers on hand. Have, uh, I, I, have any, I may have, have a couple thousand downstairs. Yeah. Have, Sorry, have Josh. you ever cast your own projectiles? I have not, and that is one step too far for me. Okay. I, um, I also don't like shooting lead. For the right. amount that I shoot, I don't like shooting lead. So I got a guy down in Kings. I, I got a guy. You know, I got a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. He's a Campro dealer who's also an I-Core shooter. So whenever I want ammo, I just call him up and say, hey, I want... 10,000 bullets, something like that, and either he'll bring them to the next match, or next time I'm driving by Kingston, I just stop off at his house and get him, get it. And I watch my spring just slowly sink down on my car. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, casting is one step too far for me. The, the problem with casting is is a lot of exposure. Um, the guy that used to do all my bullets, uh, I, he quit because his... He, and he, he had all kinds of safety protocol. He had severe lead poisoning. He quit shooting. He had it so bad. Um, I'm not sure. Did, did Trevor stop casting lead? Because he was really concerned about his level. So I think he stopped casting lead. Well, he's doing – he's got a sponsor now. But for, for a long time, he was pouring his own lead, and then they were powder coating it. Yeah. Yeah, there are things you can do. But, yeah, like I said, it, that's just one step too far for me. I am willing to pay the extra, like, couple pennies – to, to just go and buy it and to get something that's total metal jacket so I don't even have to worry about like lead exposure from it. 
Right. Yeah, I have, I have no urge in casting my own bullets either. It's just something I don't want to do either. Yeah. I know a guy too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I know a guy who knows a guy. Exactly. So, well, the yeah. advantage the advantage of lead, I'll, I'll tell you this much, is the cost savings. When I had Yuli making my lead, I was getting, oh crap, a thousand, thousand forty fives. I think it was forty five dollars, forty dollars, yeah. and the nine millimeters were like thirty five, thirty dollars. Yeah. When I first started shooting, I bought lead too because it was the cheapest thing, and I think I loaded up about a thousand of them, and then I never loaded them up again. That's another thing that causes the smoke too, Amanda, is that a lot of times for the lube, they'll put a wax-based lube in it. Okay. So if they can't get the lube box, there's an actual, I think it's called a lube, it's a stick, and they also mix beeswax in it sometimes. So, like, Yuli's bullets are great, but, man, were they smoky. <laughs> they were, you wouldn't want to have six people indoors shooting his bullets because the place just, the ventilation system couldn't clear fast enough. Yeah. Well, luckily, yeah. these guys like to shoot it outside, so that, that works well for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only lead that I load is because one of the clubs I shoot, or the club I shoot PPC at, it's a lead-only club. So I will load up lead rounds for that, but I don't even yeah, want. That's, I don't want to, but it's the only way I can shoot in the winter. So whatever I deal with it. That was my problem at Port Perry too. No full metal jackets. Yeah. So. Indoors. Yeah. Which I well, always find to be such a. I always find that to be such a, I don't know, a conundrum or whatever. It's like, oh, let's go shoot inside. Now let's only shoot lead. You know, it's the most toxic <laughs> thing we can. And, and the stupid thing is a lot of these ranges will allow wind clean because it's, it, it's, it's friendly. It's a full metal jacket. It's just encased all the way around. We couldn't shoot lead, but we could shoot wind clean. I fail to see the difference because <laughs> yeah. it still separates from the jacket when it hits the backstop too. Yeah. If they uh, caught you shooting full metal jacket indoors, you could lose your membership. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you start causing damage to the club, right? So. Well, the problem is that you had, if you didn't reload your own, the only place around here that sells the wolf reloads that are their plated stuff is Williams Arms. Nobody else here around here carries it. So yeah. you, you, you're restricted to one source for your ammo on top of that. So, which is one of the reasons I start reload. I started reloading too, just because I needed, I wanted to shoot, and I had followed the rules. So yeah, yeah. and this comes back to that whole: if you reload, then you can make your own custom ammo, right? But, yeah, it's enjoyable. It, it, when you start having doing, uh, like doing a turf press of 500 rounds for a match, yeah, it's you're talking hours. Yeah. So, and for me, it's a nice way to keep. In the shooting sport, like up until last year, I didn't shoot much in the winter because I didn't have access to, I, I mean, I can shoot matches at indoor clubs, but I don't have an indoor range where I am. So reloading was what I would do over the winter and it would kind of keep me tied to the shooting, shooting world over, over that kind of lean time. You don't have a winter range? I don't have an indoor range, no. I'm all outdoors. If I go shoot in the winter, I'm either shooting at someone else's club or I am trekking in the snow. Which, well, if you want to stay warm, you can come down to my club anytime you want. Yeah, if you want to drive four like, hours. Yeah, I was going to say if I want to drive three and a half hours. Well, you drove to Peterborough. That's only like twenty minutes north of me. Peterborough's half an hour, or sorry, half an hour, three hours from me. Yeah, so, it's a long trip. Yeah. But, 
Yeah. Anyways, I think that pretty much sums it up. Unless you guys have any other questions about presses. Um, yeah. Obviously, this is just one component of reloading. So, I mean, there's a lot more that could be get involved. But we've already probably put out what an hour and a half of podcasting. So we'll uh, call it there. <laughs> Great. Yeah, just, what it just comes down to you. It comes down to your budget. Get what you can afford and what fits your lifestyle. And if you down the road, if you get competing, maybe you want to change and get something a little bit faster. Yeah. Yep. All right. So if you uh, had any other questions about presses or reloading, you can send your feedback to us at host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, or the website at newshootercanada.ca. Um. Anyone have any closing comments? I'm too tired. Okay. <laughs> excellent. I was thinking of something to say for No, I need more coffee. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. Excellent, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, anyone have any shout outs? Not this uh, week. No? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Jeff from our club. Uh, he's going through some serious health issues right now, and I just wanted to say uh, to him and his family that we're thinking about him and uh, hope he recovers and get, gets back to the range soon. So. Oh, yeah. It was, my, his mom's, it, was, it was his mom's birthday a couple of days ago, too. Nope, different Jeff. Different Jeff. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Different Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very... Uh, uh, very key member of our of our board and of our club uh, definitely does a lot of work around our club and he's just uh, going through some rough stuff right now so hopefully uh, things turn around soon so uh, my shout out this week was going to be to George uh, for all the kind words he said and I am glad that he got my uh, text message that I sent him while I was asleep <laughs> about uh, <laughs> about how he is my favorite person. I can't remember exactly what, what I said. I'll have to look at that text message again. Um, <laughs> yeah. So shout out to George for all the for all the kind things he said. All the love. Poor George. Yeah. I wanted him to unbox his his press. I wanted to hear about that. So that's what started this whole topic. Yes, yeah. it did. It's all George's fault. It's all George's George. fault we're even here. George. <laughs> Typical George. He just throws an idea out there and then just walks out of the room. Fails. Like, By the way, I don't think I can make it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and he takes wonderful Wanda with him, too, so we don't even get Wanda. Jeez. <laughs> All right, Thomas, why don't you take us on out of here? Okay, until next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. That's my favorite closeout. Well, I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.